Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. At Bunnings Trade, we're here to make your job easier because helping business is our trade. It's Justin Marshall and Ricardo Ball with the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run on SCNZ. Good afternoon, this is SENZ, it is the Rugby Run, Ricardo Ball and Justin Marshall with you, we're just getting Marshy up on the desk, of course, uh, another game uh, to go this afternoon from the Bunning Trade Rugby Run uh, for Super Rugby and uh, we will uh, we'll talk about that, the Chiefs are over in Australia, they take on the Rebels, that game kicks off at 4 o'clock uh, according to the TAB. The Chiefs are big favourites, paying just a dollar seven to win this one. The Rebels paying seven dollars. So uh, yeah, so you can see it's one-way traffic at the TAB at the moment. On that, if you're looking at a few other options, uh, I quite like this power play: uh, Narawa and Tupaya, two tries combined each at two dollars forty, uh, or any three of Nanai Satoru, Narawa, Tupaya, or Poihipi uh, to any time try scorers. Any three of those four uh, to score a try. Uh, it's paying $3.50 as well. Uh, in terms of the margin, $1.42 you can get on the Chiefs 13 plus, three seventy for the Chiefs at 1 to 12. So that's uh, what the market looks like. Of course, we have had a, uh, a whole bunch of other fixtures as well. We've had five games so far. Uh, the Highlanders doing uh, doing great with Sam Gilbert running around at number 10. I'd be keen to get Marshy's take on that. Uh, 61-10, uh, they demolished the force who finished with 14 after Richard Carr, who he was sent off for a head clash, which seemed a bit harsh. Uh, the Brumbies uh, were beaten at home uh, by the Crusaders, 37-26 to 26 as well. Yesterday, uh, the Drua played Moana Pacific, and uh, they ran out winners in that one, 34-19. A game I think both teams would have been targeting for the win. Uh, the Blues last night, fantastic again, uh, putting 53 points on the Reds, uh, winning 53-26 to 26 in that one. And boy, haven't the Reds stalled. This season really has stalled. And uh, last night, the late kickoff, the Waratahs were hosting the Canes, and boy, the Canes made a comeback in that one. They were 15-0 down at halftime. The Hurricanes, they came back and won that one 22-18. So we'll talk about all of that 
Also coming up on the show, Ian Smith is going to join us uh, in around 20 minutes' time uh, and uh, we'll, we'll get his take on the Blues. He was at that game at Eden Park. Uh, we'll also catch up with Tim Horan just after 2 o'clock as well for an Aussie perspective and Gordon Simpson. Uh, former Hurricane and uh, Scotland International is going to join us around 2.30 as well and uh, give us his thoughts on how the Canes are tracking uh, on the back of how Artie Savia is going. It seems to be that uh, if Artie Savia is playing well, the Canes are good. If he's not around or if he's not there, they do struggle. So we'll get Gordon Simpson's take on that as well. All of that and more to come. Plus, of course, you can get in touch with us here on the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. 0800 150 811 is the number. 0800 150 811. Or you can text us on the Temper Bed Post text machine, which is 8833. But uh, welcome in the star of the show. He's up on the, he's up on the, up on the board now. Uh, Justin Marshall. G'day, mate. How are you? Good afternoon, Ricardo, and good afternoon, everybody, joining us for the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Um, once again, uh, it's been another entertaining weekend of rugby, hasn't it? So uh, plenty to talk about, and we've got some good guests in, as I've heard you uh, alluding to, which is great. So some pretty good banter over the next two hours, Ricardo, hopefully. Yeah, there should be, mate. There should be. I'll tell you, uh, I don't know if Tim Horan want to pick up his phone, though, will he? Um, <laughs> <laughs> when, you, when, you, yeah. when you're relying on the Rebels to get uh, Australia's only win for the weekend, you know you're in trouble. Yeah, well, it was kind of interesting, wasn't it, that last weekend we, we had both um, Matt Burke and Justin Harrison on uh, after quite a successful weekend for, for the Australian sides. You know, Waratahs winning, the Brumbies winning, uh, and, you know, that was a significant win for the Brumbies uh, and a big match that we were talking about for the weekend, which was obviously the Crusaders-Brumbies and whether or not the Waratahs after two really good back-to-back wins could front up. And obviously the way that the weekend has um, permeated its way through uh, those through through those games, uh, they didn't. So we could have actually got them back on the show and taken the piss out of them. But anyway, <laughs> we, we let them gloat. We let them have their moment in the sun. But no doubt we'll get them back on to see what went wrong at some stage. Yeah, indeed we will. Uh, well, mate, there's something that we should uh, – I'm, I'm keen to get your take on, and that was from the Friday game. The Highlanders, of course, winning 61-10 over the force. That was uh, their, their performance of the season, I've got to say. But a lot of the talk was around the bloke wearing the number 10 jersey. And Sam Gilbert, who we've really only seen run around at right wing for the uh, Highlanders this season. Um, what was your take on when he was named at 10? And uh, how do you think he went? Well, first of all, people might be, might be surprised by this, but I wasn't surprised because okay. I just felt like they were, they were la- lacking the rhythm and the synergy that they needed between 9 and 10 in getting their game plan effectively working. Uh, and I just don't think even, you know, whether it was Fakatava, Aaron Smith, Tom, uh, I mean, Marty Banks uh, and Mitch Hunt, which combination it was, they still didn't seem to have the right balance in the way that they were playing. So the fact that uh, Brownie went outside of those four to bring someone new into the mix, a new face with a new style of play, it actually didn't surprise me. Now, I know it shocked a lot of people across the country and they were going... You know, what the hell is he up to? But I, I haven't seen the way that they've been playing and been a bit frustrated by the things that they were doing in the field and particular parts of the field. It, it didn't come as a massive shock to me. The only, I guess, question mark that I had over it, which was probably um, in relation to others, was, you know, this is still super rugby. This is still quite a high level. Yes, the force are one of the uh, easier sides to compete against in the competition, but you still have to be 
really astute in what you're doing in that jersey. Has 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 he had the time in the past uh, to be able to to go out and prove that he can play that position, you know, at that level? That was probably the only real question mark I had. Mm. But the selection didn't surprise me, Ricardo. Uh, he went pretty well. Uh, Got to say, what is it? What do you think it means for Mitch Hunt? Well, good question. Um, the, the thing was, I, I had my traditional squash battle with Tony Brown on the morning of the game, um, which we won't go into the results of that, uh, but. Let's just say, mate, when it doesn't start going well for me and I feel like I'm, I'm on the back foot, I'll just fake an injury. <laughs> so, um, tight calf, tight calf. Exactly, tight calf. Tight hemi it was, actually. Oh, oh that bloody hemi's playing up here. <laughs> must be coming from my lower back. <laughs> um, and I had a chat to him about his thought process and I, I get the feeling that it's not a permanent solution. What he now is faced with and the conundrum that he probably didn't expect was how well uh, Sam Gilbert played in that position. What he was after, Brownie, when I spoke to him about it, was a reaction from the players around Sam Gilbert because you've got a new face. You've got a guy that has been thrown to a degree in the deep end. You haven't got the regular Mitch Hunt, Marty Banks uh, type of player with, with Aaron Smith, you know, that with all their experience to lean on because you've got a guy that hasn't been in that jersey for the Highlanders before. So he was expecting a response from all the players around Sam, around Sam Gilbert to, you know, galvanise the team. And he got that massively. You know, everybody put their hand up. Everybody finally played well and supported him. So th- that was kind of the, the rationale behind the decision that he made. What... what Again, going back to what I first said, is the problem is, you know, Sam Gilbert played so well, looked so uh, assured, kicked his goals, eight from eight. Uh, And what I really enjoyed about the way that he played the position, given that it was the first time, was his maturity. Like, he didn't didn't panic. He, He didn't make poor decisions. He was decisive in everything that he did. When he took contact, he didn't try to throw a miracle pass. He didn't pass early. Uh, When he needed to kick, he kicked well. He just looked like he was um, unflappable. And and that's kind of the, the, what they need in that jersey. What it has done is create pressure on Mitch Hunt, who has already got pressure on him anyway. Mm. So I don't know if that's going to help the individual. It's certainly going to help the team because there won't be any complacency. Now, look, with the greatest respect, I love Marty Banks and he's a great player, but he's not their starting 10. So if it's not Mitch Hunt, it's Sam Gilbert, mm. isn't it now? Yeah. Um, so, and and Marty Banks fills the hole when needed. So, um, yeah, I, I guess I don't know whether he's created a problem rather than a solution, Brownie. <laughs> but it's a good problem to have, isn't it? Really, yeah. it could have been an absolute disaster. The kid could have gone out there and had a shocker. Uh, the team could have suffered. They could have got beaten by the force. And then he's in a real hole. Um, you know, having having had made that choice, but it's had the opposite effect, which I think is healthy. Uh, and now it's created pressure on Mitch Hunt because he played so well, but equally, you know, Brownie's under a little bit of pressure himself as a coach because if he goes back to Mitch Hunt, people will be going, um, this this guy played well. Why is he being put on the bench? Um, but, you know, he is a fullback and, and, and a very good fullback. So I wonder whether or not, you know, there is the the thought process of he's playing really good rugby at the moment. He can play really good rugby from fullback. I'll slot him into that back line somewhere on the wing or at fullback. So he could think about that option.
Yeah, could do. I mean, the other thing that I thought um, that Sam Gilbert offers is he he offers a running threat with the ball as well, which mm. neither um, Hunt or Banks really do. And that you know the knock on effect of that is that it gives defence uh, you know puts uh, defence in two minds at times and can open up a bit of space for whether it be Smith or Fakatava in the nine. Absolutely, yeah, and, and equally it creates a tension in that zone um, to be able to let the likes of you know, probably their best player at the moment, Thomas Umanga Jensen function, because mm. when you haven't got a threat at 10 and you've got somebody as powerful as Umanga Jensen, they're going to double tackle him and they're going to put defenders in his zone. But if the 10 is taking the line on, then you've got to match up accordingly. So, yeah, it, it benefits not only nines, but the, the players outside to have somebody. And, and what I like, I'll go back to the word decisive, you know, like... A decisive rugby player, believe it or not, is a good one. And, uh, you know, when you make a decision, you just make it in a positive manner. When, when you hesitate, you think, am I going to run, am I going to pass? And you hesitate into that that moment, that's when you get compromised. And and I certainly think that what Sam Gilbert did was when he decided that he was going to go, he just went. And and, and that that's what was really positive in the way that he played. That's what I mean by the word decisive. He made the decision he was going to run or kick or pass, and he just got on with it. He didn't second guess himself, and 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 that that's why that's why he looked so composed because he didn't look like he was overthinking it at all. And and that helps players around you when the guy inside you, outside you makes a decisive decision to pull the trigger on all, any of those components: running, passing, kicking, whatever it might be. You react accordingly as well. It helps your decision making. So I think you know the other thing I was surprised was we interviewed him after the game and. Um, he comes and stood next to me on the panel with Sky in, in the post game. He's a big, quite a big guy. Like, yeah, because well, you're not I, short, I, are you, Marshy? What are you, six two? Oh no, I'm a, I'm a big unit, mate. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, he was. Uh, I reckon he'd be six two, you know, at least. Mm. So, you know, he's quite quite a physical presence as well. Um, you know, he's, so he certainly he's got that um, physical. Uh, element about him as well, which is you know a, a bonus to have. And speaking of physicality, how good is uh, Makaelei Tuu going off the back of the scrum too? I mean, you have him at eight, Aaron Smith at nine, Sam Gilbert at ten, and then Umanga Jensen out. I mean, that's that that is a that's a great little um, lineup there. Yeah, it is. And, and I did actually we, we chatted to Tony Brown um, on the panel as well. And and the one thing I mentioned to him was the back row. Uh, you know, Makaelei Tuu was. Uh, very, very effective carrier. And since he's come back from, first of all, being on the bench and coming off off the bench as an impact player, then secondly from injury, he just looks revitalised. He looks a bit trimmer as well. Mm. Uh, so he's more explosive when he's when he's probably shed a few kilos. Uh, I'm not sure whether that's the case or not, or he's just gained some power from somewhere and retained the kilos. But he certainly is a lot more explosive. explosive. But, I, but my going back to my question to Brownie, I said to him, mate, you must be really pleased in general with that back row, because the way that Billy Harmon is playing at the moment, who yeah. is also back from injury, combined with Lynchus, um, you know, two guys who are really good over the ball, but they equally uh, don't mind carrying in Lynchus and Billy Harmon. Look, look at the, the yards that Billy Harmon made, um, you know, with ball in hand, and then you throw Mikaeli Tuu into the mix. Now, that, that, that is a very well-balanced back row, so... Yeah, I think he's finally got his combinations right after messing around with them, and and that was due to injury. Because you think they've still got Frizzell in the mix, the Highlanders. I'm not sure where he when he comes back into the mix. Um, 
you know, and, and, and that looks like a really, really good back row uh, depth um, for the Highlanders. So, yeah, he's, he's playing really well. Um, you know, I've, I've heard some conversations about him being uh, in the conversations, uh, you know, for the All Blacks. Mm. Not quite sure that he's been consistent enough for that yet. Uh, but his, if he continues to play the way that he is uh, and show that consistency, um, you know, he might find that he comes into the conversation should some, some of the other, one of the other, for example, Adi Sabir gets injured. Um, but yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, watching him and Sawa Kula, uh, two form number eights playing at the moment. Um, you know, that they, they are very much traditional number eights in that style that we are looking for. Yeah, exactly. Um, Billy Harmon's another one you mentioned him. Boy, the wheels on that yeah. man. I mean, he's like an old <laughs> school seven. He's, he's like a, a Josh kind of kind of style seven, isn't he? Uh, like a real fetcher. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely uh, is. Yeah. yeah, And the way he out sprinted that winger to score that try at the end, I was just like, <laughs> mate. mate, what are you doing? He's a, he's a forward that wouldn't be, or, or a back in general, out of, out of place playing against the Fijian drawer, or, or Fiji, <laughs> any Fijian side. Um, hey, I remember... One year we were playing Fiji uh, for the All Blacks in the second rower, burst through, I think he burst through the second tackler on defence. And I was coming crossfield, mate, he was gone before I even had a chance. <laughs> I dived early, went for the ankle tap, because they can all run like the wind. Yeah. Believe me, it doesn't matter what jersey you've got on your back. And uh, yeah, it's pretty hard to compete with the speed of the Fijians. And Billy Harmon looked like he had plenty of that. Yeah, he did indeed. He did indeed. Uh, this is the Bunnings Trade a rugby run. Justin Marshall, Ricardo Ball with you. At Bunnings Trade, we're here to make your job easier because helping business is our trade. When we come back, uh, the doyen of SENZ, Ian Smith, joins us. It's the highest total, team total on this ground now, 310 for four. Plus, plus. Oh, only six. It went further than that. 49 overs gone, 17 from that over. 150 plus for Andrew Simons. Let's stay with him, shall we? It's 316 for four. And if you're sitting at home, you're allowed to stand up too. This has been... Fantastic hitting, immense power, and uh, the crowd here in Wellington do stand out of respect because they have seen something extra special today. Yes, this is the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Don't 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 get that wrong. It is a rugby show, and at Bunnings Trade, helping businesses our trade. But we need to uh, mention and and talk about the passing of uh, Australian cricketing great Andrew Simons as well. Uh, passed away last night. Uh, in a car accident at the age of just 46. Ian Smith joins us now. Uh, Smithy, we heard you there call him, uh, calling him hitting that 150 at the Basin. Uh, you know, what's uh, sad, sad news, but what's what's your memory of Andrew Simons as a, as a, as a player but, and, and as a bloke? Hi, Ricardo. Um, G'day, Marshy. Uh, a freak. A, a freak of a cricketer. Could do anything, any day. One of those guys that you uh, turn up, uh, as those people at the Basin Reserve did that day, and, and you'll see something that you will never forget. Did it numerous times for Australia over the years. Um, you know, he was just a fantastic cricketer to watch. Uh, and, you know, he was a fun-loving character too. Um, you know, I didn't know him a hell of a well. I worked him, with him, I think, two or three times in the commentary box. Uh, but Australia just trying to get over Rod Marsh, Shane Warne, and now they cop uh, one of their favourite other sons, uh, Roy. Um, so, uh, yeah, just a terrific guy, real terrific guy. Yeah. Uh, what do you think his uh, his legacy on the game in Australia will be? 
Well, it'd be unusual, really. Um, you know, he he just did things differently. Uh, aggressive in the field. I mean, cameras just used to be designated for Andrew Simons because uh, the ball followed him, and when he did something, it was just out of this world different. You know, he was just... He was not cut from the same cloth, put it that way, as, as the average cricketer, whether he be English or Australian or New Zealand, whatever. He had this point of difference, uh, and the point of difference was freakish, brilliant, um, and, you know, it was just like he, he didn't like to, to dine out on the mundane side of the, of the game, really. He just loved, absolutely loved, um, being in the thick of it, always fielded in key positions, uh, could bowl a bit of medium pace, a little bit of spin, and as we know, he could hit it a long, long way. So um, absolutely perfect for the current market. And, um, you know, 46, mate, 46 years of age, unbelievable. Yeah, well said, Smithy. Uh, completely concur with everything you've said and, and a real loss, again, not only for Australian cricket but world cricket because a real character of the game as well. When I think about someone that in rugby probably is similar style of personality and the way that they played the game, I think of Carlos Spencer, to be perfectly honest, like a guy that just uh, went out there and just wanted to play the game and play it like he did as a school kid and, and didn't have any real structure about him, just uh, went out and entertained as much as he could. Yeah, he, he, he was, you know, as I said, he, he just had this, that X factor, or it might have been an XY factor in his case, it just made him <laughs> slightly different to everyone else. But he, uh, Marshy, there's some great footage, um, I, I think, of him tackling a streaker um, yes, in a, yes. a, a, a game of cr- cricket, and um, I'm not sure he actually levelled him in the end. I think the guy got away, but he chased him quite a long, long way across the field just to absolutely nail him, uh, and that was a no-no. I mean, you, you you were always instructed back in those days if a streaker came on the park or whatever, just let him do his thing and let the officials sort it out. Don't go anywhere near them. Um, but not him. I mean, he, he, he bucked the system from time to time. Uh, saw him in the Caribbean having a great time, um, you know, uh, you know, over there and, and during a World Cup. Uh, he was just, man, he, he just had something about him. And uh, one of the world's uh, biggest fans of fishing. Uh, it's a great story of him and Matthew Hayden, where they were out fishing. They went fishing a lot together, both Queenslanders. Uh, and he saved Andrew, uh, he saved uh, Matthew Hayden's life. Uh, Matthew Hayden, for all intents and purposes, I think the boat capsized and he was a goner. And Simon wow. saved him. Um, so and some, there's some wonderful stories about Andrew Simons, a lot of uh, humour about him as well. Um, I think there's a story about him uh, when he was um, on a tour, I think one of his first tours to overseas. And um, I think the story goes that his roommate was came in and he was, um, he was writing his name um, on the, la- the label inside his shirt. And the guy said, what are you doing that for? He said, well, when it goes to the laundry, how are they going to tell, you know, there's so many Aussie shirts going in, how are they going to tell what's yours and what's mine and what's everyone else's? He said, well, if you look on the back, your name's there. So, <laughs> he's he's a, a, a ripping guy, you know, um, and always a subject of conversation. Uh, but anyone that played against them knew they were in for something uh, one hell of a fight because he, he could take your part as the Basin Reserve that day was quite evident and uh, that wasn't the only time he did it. No, that's, a great, that's a great story and I'm sure there's plenty more, mate, that probably can't be told on radio, so we'll leave, we'll leave it there. <laughs> yeah. but, um, I, hey, uh, actually, Marcia, I, just, I was just thinking of another one there yeah, and I thought, no, nah, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> not surprised here, mate. Don't worry about that. 
Uh, <laughs> we won't tell any of yours and mine either. So we'll move on to the rugby. No, um, no, no. Uh, <laughs> last night you were there. Uh, the Blues um, dismantled, I guess, to a degree, the Reds. Um, are they the real deal, mate, do you think? Well, I think they are if you let them. Uh, Marshy, I, I think if you make enough mistakes, as uh, the Reds did last night, if you cough up position in the wrong areas of the park, they'll make you pay because their confidence uh, and attack now and their support play and the, the, just the willingness to try things uh, is really at a high level. Um, so if you let them, they'll run over the top of you as they did last night. I mean, the, I wouldn't say they're a brilliantly um, organised defensive system. I mean, every time Queensland had an opportunity, I think they got down there four with genuine opportunities and they cashed in every time. So it wasn't like they were absolutely standout, brilliant, um, both sides of the game. But what I did see is um, a great atmosphere around the Blues squad. You know, you, you've got a coaching uh, fraternity that involves uh, Leon McDonald, Tom Coventry, and uh, a fellow by the name of Joe Smith out there in, in warm-ups, directing proceedings as well. So uh, Dan Hallengar, they, they've, they've got a, pretty much got every base covered now, so there's no reason not for them to be organised and to play well. And they're lethal. I mean, 120 points in two weeks uh, on their hallowed Eden Park uh, without batting an eyelid. They're going to be tough, mate. But as I say, uh, if you can hold them close, if you can be in their faces and not cough up possession at the wrong time, um, I think they're vulnerable just like anyone else. You got to see firsthand, uh, obviously, sideline uh, Stephen Petafeta in the form that he's in at the moment. There's a bit of chat floating around about his future in New Zealand rugby uh, and whether or not you know it takes an all-black jersey or a conversation with him to say that he's he, he is in the conversation for the all-blacks to stop him from going away do you think from what you are seeing with him he is a player we absolutely need to retain yeah Stephen Perifet is um, still a young guy but he's got he must be um, Marshy he must be looking at uh, the calibre of uh, the opposition, and when I say the opposition, those players um, around him and his various positions uh, as utilities uh, that he's got to overcome to get a to get a gig, really. Uh, so we'll just say he's day in day out a better uh, fifteen at the moment than uh, Will Jordan. No, um, you know Geordie Barrett. No, probably. Uh, so there's two that I can think of there. Uh, and would he be a better 10 than Bowden Barrett? No. Richie Mwonga? No. So, you know, at, at the very best, he's third cab off the rank in either of those two positions. And likely to be, if you look at the age group of those players, that for quite some time, barring injury. So he's, he's going to have to, he's probably got a, a very busy agent. He's, he's playing out of his skin, as you say. And right now on the open market, I would imagine Stephen Perifeta would be um, high in demand. So he'd have to make a call at some point, really. But as I say, I mean, is the lure of the black jersey um, and the associated teams around that enough for Stephen uh, Perifeta to stay uh, with Taranaki, to stay with the Blues and play the waiting game? That is a, a conundrum for him. But you're right. I mean, they should be talking about him. Ian Foster and co should be talking about him. But is there room for him at the moment? Yeah, it's interesting you say that. Somebody, I was having this conversation uh, with Steve Devine the other day and said, you know, he's... Uh, if you look around, especially with Damien McKenzie in Japan, um, he's probably the, mm. our th- our the third best first five kicking around in New Zealand at the moment. And is every chance he gets a, an opportunity against Ireland because they do need three tens in that series. Yeah, uh, they do. 
Uh, they will. I mean, he might make that first squad. Uh, I'm not quite sure how big they're going to go in terms of their numbers. Um, but they, you know, with the situation that life we lead now and COVID floating around, you've probably got much got to have everything covered two or three times within your group, and that's even playing at home. Uh, you know, they like the continuity of having the group together over that whole Irish series. So, uh, yeah, he may well be in that. He may well be in that mix. Not to say that he'd get a start. Um, I'm, I'm not sure that he would at the moment because. I, I think this is a different all-black environment. I, I, I think even if you um, pretty much in the group now and, and guaranteed a place in the side, you know, you don't want to give too many other blokes opportunities. Um, I don't think the all-black team, the way it performed at the end of last year, can afford too many of those type luxuries anymore. Um, so give a mug an even break and look out. So uh, I, I just think that those positions 10, 15, eagerly, eagerly uh, catered for at the moment. A uh, little bit of concern last night for Rika Ioani coming off with a hamstring twinge and only in the third minute of the play. So mm. keep an eye on that because um, he, he's at the top of his game as well. A lot of jockeying going on for positioning now as we're entering the last couple of rounds. Um, obviously in a, a game this afternoon, Smithy, and you know uh, the Crusaders really flexed their muscle the other night against the Brumbies, I thought. Uh, pretty formidable side they put out. Not an easy place to go and win. Um, you know, do you see the Brumbies bouncing back for that? Uh, do you see any of the Australian sides getting to a final? Or do you think it looks pretty much like it's going to be, you know, one of those New Zealand sides and the Blues and the Crusaders probably in the best position at the moment? But, you know, as we know, the Hurricanes and the Chiefs, etc., even the Highlanders can beat each other on any day, can't they? Yeah, look, they can. Um and I think that was a warning shot over a lot of bows last night. It's um, Friday night, I should say, with the Crusaders. Uh, you know, because you know how hard it is to go to Canberra and win, particularly when you haven't been playing that well. We saw a little sign of it against the Force, but very hard to gauge just how good you are against a side like the Force. You can gauge against the Brumbies. So uh, that was a timely reminder, I think, uh, for everybody uh, that, uh, you know, this is their time, isn't it? You know, they haven't been great. But when it, you start talking about playoffs and grand finals, you only have to go uh, down to their stadium in Christchurch and look up and down the pylons that support the uh, the great lights that they've got down there, and you'll know how vulnerable uh, other sides are at this time of the season. So right now, I was thinking about it this morning, actually, while I was waiting for a plane, and I was just thinking, uh, pick your finalists. On um, what I saw last night, uh, I can see the Blues Crusaders at Eden Park at, at some point. And I think that would be uh, quite well attended. 20,000 last night, double that for Blues Crusaders for a, a playoff game. Absolutely. Uh, look, just last question, mate. Obviously, it'd be very remiss of me not to ask you this. And many of our our rugby fans uh, duly love cricket as well. Uh, the appointment of Baz to the English coaching position, uh, was that surprising to you? And do you think it's obviously something that he will be able to go over there and, and change the way English cricket's being played on a test match scale at the moment? Hell of an appointment, Justin. One of the toughest jobs in sport, actually. One of the, I think, to be to have the expectation of, of coaching uh, the English cricket team um, with a, the posse of media that they have, bang for blood. So uh, he's he's got an interesting task ahead of him. Uh, I was shocked. I was actually shocked. I heard his name mentioned about the white ball side of things because they still haven't appointed one of those. Uh, and then, of course, I was, I was, his KKR side uh, not going to make the playoffs this year. So I was just sort of thinking, well, I'll see him shortly. 
he'll be back on radio for us, SCNZ, you know, he'll, he'll just make the trip home, he'll have a couple of days off, and he'll be back with us in the morning, and, and then all of a sudden, um, yeah, clearly not enough. I don't mean you have to worry. Just between just between you and I and Ricardo, I'm not sure we have to worry about too much anymore. They pay pretty well over there. <laughs> uh, so um, he's uh, it was a shock that, and that he was a candidate actually. But when I heard he was a candidate and seriously talked about candidate, I thought he'd probably get the job because uh, you know, he does interview well. He does present a very positive image. Um, ben Stokes would have wanted him because that's the kind of cricket he wants to play, and he doesn't want anyone sort of putting the handbrake on his thinking. Baz will never do that. Uh, and then, you, you know, you, you're trying to build a team and, and build a way to, a way of playing, which uh, England haven't had uh, in the last, what, 17 test matches. I think they've won one. So that's not on. So that they need something different. Not going to be easy. Uh, there will be high expectations for Baz. Um, but he's had those before. You know, we, we all know what he's like. We know his character. He's really a bullion sort of a, a little bugger. And, and he's as tough as Teak. He's, he's a bit of a fighter. He's, he's down, you know, bottom half of the South Island where you come from. So you know all about that uh, kind of um, roll your sleeves up and get stuck in attitude. And that's exactly what he'll do from day one. Uh, he'll give them the message. Uh, but he'll work away. What he will do is he'll, he'll work away one-on-one with them and their thinking of the game. Um, and it's just behind the scenes. And, uh, it's, it's not a place, England is not a place to be the most important person in the side if you're the coach. It's not one of those places. It's, it's a captain's role. It's Stokes' role, and particularly as a new role for Stokes. You don't want to see McCullum getting more headlines than Stokes. Baz has got to make sure that that doesn't happen. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't mind playing in a team where Ben Stokes is captaining it, Brendan McCullum is coaching it. Uh, I think I'd enjoy the brand of cricket they're trying to play. Well, Smithy, I really appreciate you answering my call. I would have thought the last thing you want on a day off on a Sunday is to to jump on the radio. So thanks very much. And really good that you could give us some insight into the the tragedy with uh, Andrew Simons. Um, It sounds like it's very quiet that you're down at Turks, your local, um, this afternoon. It's usually a bit rowdier than that, isn't it? So thanks uh, for stepping outside, if that's where you are. Yeah, I've gone out into the car park, mate, so you can't hear the clinking of glasses and the and trackside in the background. <laughs> Brilliant, Smithy. Hey, thanks very much, mate. Enjoy, enjoy your holiday next week. Yeah, hey, hey, yeah. Look after the run the cutter, okay? Will you, Ricardo? Eh? Hey? You oh. know, we've only I think we've got seven listeners. I don't want it down to five by the time I get back. <laughs> <laughs> no worries, mate. Oh, oh, safe hands, safe hands, Smithy. Cheers, fellas. Cheers, Have a great show. Yes, yeah, we'll do, mate. This is the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Ricardo Ball and Justin Marshall with you. Of course, that was Ian Smith still to come uh, on the show between now and three o'clock. Uh, we are going to catch up with Tim Horan out of Australia to give us a, an Australian's perspective on Super Rugby and Gordon Simpson on the uh, Hurricanes as well. This is the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run at Bunnings Trade, where helping business is our trade. In today's Voltaren Rapid 25 wrap-up. Yes, Leinster's Kiwi wing James Lowe grabbed two tries as the Irish side beat European Champions Cup rugby title holders to lose 40-17. Leo Cullen's men will target their first Champions Cup success since 2018 when they take on the winner of Sunday's game between Russing 92 and La Rochelle. Leinster last won the European Champions Cup in 2018 when they were captained by Issa Nathiwa. They still have the nucleus of the title winning team including Kiwi halfback Jamison Gibson-Park. Meanwhile rugby boots worn by former All Black Dan Carter during his 24-hour kickathon fundraising effort last month were auctioned off for charity and sold for $5,800.
Carter, who played the last of his 112 tests at the 2015 Rugby World Cup final winner over the Wallabies at Twickenham, made 1,598 goals during the April kickathon at Eden Park and raised more than $370,000. Let back pain get in the way. Get fast relief with Voltaren Rapid 25. Read the label, use as directed. If symptoms persist, see your doctor. Incorrect use may be harmful. Do not use if you have stomach ulcers. GSK Auckland. Marsh, have you got any football boots kicking around that are worth $5,800? No, I haven't. No, I've got some um, really cool Mizuno ones, though, down in my memorabilia sort of uh, garage area uh, that were assigned by the 1996 Incomparables. So it's got some pretty significant signatures on there. They, you know, the Fitzpatrick, Slomers, people like that, Mertens. Um, oh, there's, you know, many amazing names. And I sort of got uh, one of my pairs of boots from Mizuno that I hadn't played in, um, all signed up. But, yeah, no, I haven't got uh, – I don't think – I don't know how much they'd be worth, but yeah, I haven't – they didn't kick any goals, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of goal kicks, I, you were you were at the game. Uh, what was the, what was the story with Daniel Leonard-Brown having a having, having a conversion attempt? He didn't he didn't go too bad. Yeah, he went really well. Uh, you know, it's quite a significant occasion playing uh, 100 games for the Highlanders uh, and – with the with nothing riding on the kick, that's usually when you let a front row have an opportunity. That's for sure. Um, you know, it was just a nice little sign off that he got to have the the, the last moment of the game, so to speak. Uh, and to be perfectly honest, when I saw him lining up on the sort of slight angle uh, and and tilted the way it was, I thought, "Geez, that actually looks like he knows what he's doing." And, and you know, from the sideline, he struck it so well, and he was so unlucky because usually when that happens and the try scored. And they, they throw the ball over to somebody who has had a milestone game. It's, it doesn't tend to be any any further than 15 metres off the side <laughs> of the post. So he got thrown a bit of a curveball, but he stepped up really well and struck it perfectly. I could have rolled him on the ground. It certainly didn't do that. No, that is true, mate. That is true. Did you used to do much kicking at, uh, at training? Were there kicking comps amongst the team and things like that? Uh, no, I didn't, mate. I, um, I used to, because back in the day, I used to like a... A penalty advantage, sneaky little drop court, drop goal from the back of the the yeah. wall, you know, like you, where you could accumulate, uh, you know, threes onto your your, you know, the only other way I was getting uh, points was by try scoring tries. So every now, I think I got three drop goals in total in my career. Uh, so yeah, I was more hitting the drop goals and um, just playing punting games and even bothering to go anywhere near a tee. Uh, too embarrassing. <laughs> no, fair, mate. Fair, fair. I yeah. um. <laughs> Hey, speaking of that, because yeah. I was thinking about that, um, you know, that game last weekend where they had the kickoff, you know, thinking you, you would probably want to make sure that you've got a half a dozen blokes, that, particularly when you're leading into, you know, quarterfinals, semifinals. Uh, and I'm not quite sure of the the, the situation with Super Rugby. I, I know, obviously, there's extra time, um, but if it gets to that point in a quarter or semifinal, if it goes to a kickoff, whether... Some guys should be dusting off their boots and getting themselves ready <laughs> Get sharp. in case that situation develops. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the thing. It's, it's something we don't see often in rugby. We obviously obviously nah. see penalty shootouts in football all the time, and those are always those are always pretty entertaining um, because the pressure is on. Uh, one of the yeah. best things I ever saw was Eric Cantona playing in a uh, – it was some charity game of rugby um, in France, and oh. they got a penalty, and he said, I'll take it. And they gave him the rugby ball, and he took the penalty. But he said, "I'll hit the crossbar." No. Yeah, and then he hit the crossbar. 
Oh, okay. Very good. He's actually quite a big unit, old Eric Cantona. He's an aggressive footballer, wasn't he? So I'd imagine if he was having a charity rugby game, I'd want to stay out of his way. Yeah, mate. He's, <laughs> he's about 6'2". So he's yeah. good height and he's, he's pretty broad. Um, and yeah. uh, he certainly had that aggressive streak. I saw an interview with him not long ago where uh, they asked him what the highlight of his career was. And he said, uh, when I kicked that hooligan, I'd do it again. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Stay away from him if you, ever, if you ever get the opportunity to go out and play a social game with Eric Cantona. No. One to avoid. One to Note avoid. Indeed. Indeed. This is uh, the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run at Bunnings Trade. Helping businesses our trade. We'll be back after this. It's the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run, Ricardo Ball and Justin Marshall with you at Bunnings Trade. We're here to make your job easier because helping business is our trade. Uh, Marshy, uh, that was a uh, there was a game yesterday between the Drua and Moana. I think they both would have looked at that as an opportunity to get a W. Um, the Drua got it done in the end, 34-19, to 19, but man, there were some great tries in that match. I particularly like the uh, try Fanaki scored for Moana where he used the old... Um, it's, it's, it's not really a sidestep when you just drop your shoulder into a bloke, is it? You run over the top no, of him. No, it's not. No. Um, yeah, it was a quality game. And, and yeah, absolutely right. There was some power involved as well. But, yeah, both teams would have been obviously quite keen on making sure that they went out there to secure that win. It was been pretty hyped. It was a bit of a shame that it couldn't be played in the islands. Imagine uh, that, that sort of crowd that that would have drawn. But, you know, hopefully in the future we do see that match being played uh, either in Samoa or Fiji or wherever it might be, Tonga. Um, but, yeah, certainly I think probably really disappointing for Aaron Major. Um, you know, the promise that uh, Moana Pacifica were showing early in the competition uh, has really dissipated. Um, we always suspected that they were going to struggle the longer the season went off with the, uh, on with their squad depth and, the you know, the, con- the constant week-to-week um, I, I guess regularity of, of having to work your squad and, and stay in the fight. Uh, obviously, they've been hugely disrupted by the fact that they've had many games called called off and postponed and had to be made up. In fact, they've got a make-up game on Tuesday, haven't they? Mm. Uh, so I think that's against the force. Um, not not an easy ask and, and probably not the rhythm they wanted out of their season as their first season into Super Rugby. But I would have thought that he would be very much thinking that that was a game that they could win. And uh, they, they didn't do that. And, and then the finish, the scoreboard quite clearly showed that they were they were well beaten. So, you know, lots lots of hard work to do coming out of that camp. Yeah, lots of hard work to do. Uh, well, speaking of wheels, because we talked earlier about Fiji and wheels, uh, is it Habosi, the winger, that got that intercept? Um, for, yeah, yeah. Mate, yes. that, yeah. like you'd almost see the smoke coming off his heels. I know, yeah, and, and that's just an absolute pleasure to watch. I think he was the one that was streaking down the sideline um, as well, not not obviously with his clothes on. When I say streaking, <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> I don't know where about my choice of words there, flying down the sideline against the Highlanders. <laughs> but, yeah, that, that, and, you know, that that's the one thing about watching the Fijians play, that, you know, they all have such blistering speed and ability to, you know, break open a game.
They do indeed. Uh, we'll talk more about that and other games because coming up, we're going to get an Australian point of view on things. Um, and we're going to do that uh, after this with uh, Tim Hoare and Wallaby Great coming on. And we're also going to talk to Gordon Simpson the next hour as well. All that and more right here on the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run at Bunnings Trade, helping businesses our trade. This is the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run, uh, just gone 2 o'clock here on SENZ. Ricardo Ball and Justin Marshall uh, with you and joining us out of Melbourne where he's uh, going to be part of the coverage today for the Rebels versus the Chiefs. It is uh, former Wallaby great Tim Horan. G'day Tim, how are you? G'day guys, yeah great, great to be on the show. Yeah, great, great. thanks for uh, taking some time mate and it is a rugby show but we should touch on it mate because... Uh, Geez, it's been tough for, uh, for Aussie sport with the loss of Rod Marsh and Shane Warne in recent months. But uh, uh, to top that off with uh, losing Andrew Simons last night, uh, pretty tough, mate. I imagine uh, be a bloke that uh, is, is pretty dear to the hearts of a lot of Australian sporting fans. Yeah, very sad this morning. Just before I got on the plane to fly to Melbourne, as you mentioned, I saw it on the TV. And uh, yeah, knew Simo reasonably well from his time in Brisbane. And he obviously lives in Queensland where, where I live. And um, you know, very much, you know, what he did to cricket and, and just sports, just a sad day for not just cricket, but for sport um, to see, you know, 46 years of age. He loved life. He, you know, was into a lot of hunting and, you know, fishing and he lived sort of up in the northern um, part of Queensland, sort of north Queensland. And, you know, loved going out and catching, you know, fish and like barramundi and, and big crabs and, you know, just a loss for his family, more importantly. So thoughts and prayers for... Another sad day in Australian sport. Yeah, very much so, mate. He was a he was a big unit too, wasn't he? He probably would have gone all right in the fifteen man code. <laughs> yeah, he was a great fella, and uh, I'm not sure if you remember. It might have been a one day game at the Gabba, and he there was a streak at the round on the field, and he you know put a shot on that uh, you know <laughs> Sam Kane or anyone would have been pretty happy with, and um, and KO'd the streaker and. Yeah, but love, lovely fella and love life. And, um, you know, it was great to see, you know, Ricky Ponning was one of his great captains and Ricky Ponning backed him to, um, you know, especially in the one days and test match level. So, uh, yeah, sad loss. Yeah, well, so I said to me, and, mate, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, and, yeah, absolutely real tragic loss for, for you guys over there. We certainly um, have felt the news here in New Zealand uh, and, I uh, hope that uh, his family and that uh, all are aware of that, that the Kiwis are sending out our best wishes. Um, mate, you mentioned uh, Sam Kane. I'd be proud of a hit. You're obviously down in Melbourne uh, for the Chiefs game this afternoon against the Rebels. Uh, hasn't been a great weekend for the Aussie teams, mate, so you'll be hoping that maybe there's an upset on the cards. Uh, it had to be a big upset, Marshy. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I think last night uh, being in Sydney for... Of course, the Waratahs, they went pretty close to the Hurricanes, but I think 15 nil up um, just wasn't enough. We knew the Hurricanes were going to, one, get more ball in the second half and come back pretty strongly, which they did. And um, just uh, just half to half, Tom, Geordie Barrett ran back on the field. I was walking past him and he, he looked at me and I just gave him a wink and he sort of just raised his eyebrows and sort of went, you know, what are we going to do? And But you could see he was quite relaxed about the opportunity and great comeback from them. But, yeah, of course... Crusaders were, were brilliant um, down in Canberra. It's a tough place to win in Canberra Marshes, you know, and, and of course um, the Blues put a good one over the Reds. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, your former team, obviously, and, you know, they had James O'Connor back, which I, I immediately thought made a massive difference uh, to, to the way that the Reds played, but, um, you know, they just seemed to leak points too, too quickly and, and too easily against the Blues. What, what did you make of their performance, and more importantly, how they're going to sort of recover from the, yeah, I think that's three on the bounce, isn't it? 
well, I think they've lost four now against the New Zealand teams. I'm pretty sure it might be three, but um, yeah, I think Marshy, you're right. And, and sometimes, you know, you and I as commentators, you look at games and you at the end of the game, you think, okay, well, they're going to what lessons are they going to learn from that? I'm not sure the Reds can learn too much from it. I think they the Reds did as best they could. They were just blown off the park in a 15, 20 minute period by the Blues. And, Great to see Caleb Clark back in really good form and, and the way that Barrett's been playing as well. So, yeah, for the Reds, and you can't use too much excuses about the players they're missing. And, of course, Taniela Tupo is a huge loss for them. They've lost three hookers. They've lost a couple of front rowers. So just set-piece time and the, and the ball-carrying capacity of the Reds is lacking the last couple of games. What's been the major difference after such a successful weekend last weekend? You know, obviously, yes, you're playing different teams yeah there's no doubt about that but the the the, you know particularly the Brumbies and the Waratahs you know who who fought out a pretty tough win after beating the Crusaders are always going to struggle through that game with the elation that they had um what why why has there been a bit of a step backwards in performance because all the victories this weekend including the one the Highlanders put over the force has been quite comprehensive yeah, I think Marshy maybe was uh, probably from the other end, probably from the New Zealand side. That you know the the, the team, the teams, and the um, and the way that they've looked at um, how they've performed, going okay, gee guys, we've got to we've got to, we've got to do something that you know just lets us lets us back into this competition. And probably their pride was hurt a little bit potentially the New Zealand teams. And I, I like the way that they their structures and you know their patterns of play really picked up. Well, you can see the Crusaders. That's the best. Crusaders team that Razor Robinson's picked this year, and that was stacked with yeah. All Blacks. It was a All Black like performance. How they just, you know, any mistakes from the Brumbies they jumped on, and it was interesting though, Marshy, when you look at um, the Brumbies uh, and Stan McCullough, you know, he didn't pick Noel Olasiu. Um, Powley had a bit of a head knock, so they they rested him. So um, that's a big loss, but that's a driving force and gets them across the advantage line at ten. Yeah, it's an interesting one, and obviously. They they were looking after him, which is the right thing to do in the modern game. And Valentini was missing as well. But I, I think you and I have had a chat about this while I was recently over in, in Aussie. Sort of, and you half boy agreed with me, which was a, a miracle, to be fair. Um, when we when we sort of said, you know, they, 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 the Australian team will have to have a, at least a semi final and possibly a final at home. I think that was just a massive opportunity for the Brumbies loss uh, for them to lose at home but more importantly I mean, they were off their game a bit don't you think they they were really unbrumbies like with their ball retention and you know lack of composure at times it was really bizarre performance yeah it was it was like they made three or four mistakes in that first half and I think the halftime mm. score was 23-5 and and the game was gone because um and when you make those mistakes, you can, you know, lesser teams, you get away with them, but really good teams like the Crusaders or the Blues, they're going to make you pay. If you make four mistakes, they'll make you pay for definitely three of them. So, and that's probably what is a disappointing part for Dan McCallum. I mean, there was, they showed a lot of pride in coming back in the second half late and made a pretty good fist of it in that second 40 minutes. But yeah, you're right, Marsha. You need, we need two Australian teams. If we're realistic about going deep in this competition to, to host a, a quarterfinal. Brumbies still hanging on potentially to a quarterfinal spot. Um, but last night for the Waratahs, they need to win because the Waratahs run home, um, you know, it's pretty pretty tough. Tim, just on the Reds, uh, just going back to the Reds, I mean, I, obviously they, they they lost to a very good blue side last night who were top of the table. But mm. um, 
they have been on the skids. It's four in a, in a row they've lost now. They But they had such a great start to the competition. What do you think has been behind um, them going backwards? Um, I, there has been a few injuries in key positions and and the depth... We've had pretty good depth at the Queens and Reds for a long time, but um, the big play, obviously, when James O'Connor was out, um, and Crichton's done a pretty good job when he's come in for three weeks, but lost some momentum when James O'Connor was out. Taniela Tupo hasn't been, in the last couple of weeks, of course, he's been out, but prior to that, hasn't probably been up to his standards, personally. Um, and Liam Wright, um, the co-captain, out for a long period of time. So I just think a little bit disjointed. And yes, every team has injuries. And um, but I think Brad Thorne, you know, in his coaching style at the moment, he's got a lot better in his coaching structure and what he's looking for. But yeah, I just think probably the the way and the style that they've played this year is not to where it was last year. Last year they were had a lot of confidence, like the Brumbies and they and the Waratahs this year of moving the ball wide, spreading it wider. I've just noticed the last three or four games for the Reds, and I've said it in commentary, that they're kicking so much ball away. That's their first and second option, is kicking mm. ball away. Even when you're when you're 60 metres out, Marshy, you'd agree, you've got to try and get back to the halfway mark. You get back to the halfway mark, you can play. And I think the Reds are so nervous 60 metres out, they're kicking so much ball away and, and, and leaving it for the opposition. You mentioned, Timmy, the, um, the injuries at the Reds have suffered, and, and I, I totally agree with you. But you also look at, you know, the, the players that you've mentioned. You take Valentini, you take Lola Seo out. When you take some of these key personnel out of the Australian sides, you know, for example, the, the Blues lose Rico Ioane early in the game. They bring on Bryce Heem, he scores two tries. You know, they yeah. they functionally just get on with it, and they seem to have the squad depth to cope. Bowden Barrett's out, Pierre Fetter steps in, plays amazing. When you when when you do lose, is that that lack of depth in key positions in Australia that's a concern at the moment? You know, you think of the fullback position in Australia. Who plays fifteen um, for Australia this year? You take your tens out of the mix, who are the drivers, the players that are next stepping into those jerseys aren't quite up. Yeah, I think you're dead right, Marshy, and um, that's the big problem with us in Australia at the moment. We we talk about depth. We got players who can step in. But, but not step into the level who, you know, like a James O'Connor steps out, the, the, the level, mm-hmm. the next level down. And that's why you know, there's been a lot of talk in Australia to, you know, try and have a centralised model similar to what you guys have in New Zealand where, you know, there might be two or three really good scrum halves at, say, the Waratahs. We need to place one of those in the Western Force or place one in the Queensland Reds and spread the talent around. And, you know, we're, we're, we're quite skinny on... Fly halves in Australia at the moment. We've got a lot of CU, yep, great tick, James O'Connor tick, but James O'Connor, he won't be around after the next World Cup. So we've got to try and bring some kids through and, and give them, you know, because as you know, mate, in cricket terms, you can be in the nets for a long period of time, but until you're out in the middle playing games and experiencing the hits. So I think that you're right. Um, key positions we need to try and bring players through. And of course, the big announcement a couple of days ago that we're going to host the 2027 mm-hmm. Rugby World Cup. And what France have done, and Marsha, you would have seen it, what France have done last World Cup, put really younger players in, bring them through so you've got a realistic potential. So when you host your own Rugby World Cup, you've got a realistic potential for the Wallabies to actually you know, go deep into that tournament and get into the final. Yeah, well said, mate. Hey, look, I really appreciate it. I know you're on the tools this afternoon. I hope we get an entertaining, competitive game there in Melbourne. We'll be all tuning in to, uh, to watch that game. Um, and more importantly... 
I hope that that uh, rum bar you tried to take me to at one a.m. there in Melbourne is open for you tonight, mate. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, it's a whis- it's a whiskey bar, Marcy. Come on, you call it All a rum right. bar in New Zealand. It's a whiskey bar, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, thanks, guys. Um, thanks for having us, and uh, yeah, it should be a good game this afternoon. The Chiefs are trying to march up and, of course, host a quarter final. Yeah, indeed. Uh, go well, Tim, and uh, I hope you hope you get to enjoy a nice smoky Talisca uh, a little bit later on this evening. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, boys. Good to chat. Cheers. Uh, Tim Warren there with us. It's interesting, actually, uh, something that Tim said. He was talking, um, Marshy, about you know uh, fly halves and spreading that talent around because there's two coming through at the Waratahs that we've talked about before. There's Ben Donaldson, who started as the number one for the season, and then um, Tane Edmed, who's really... You know, come in, come good. He came in as injury cover, uh, took over, and he hasn't relinquished the jersey. There's some talk about him going to the force next season, so that they'll both be starting tens. You know, but I mean, if you're the Waratahs, I'm like, I'm going, but I'd, I'd rather keep Edmund. I think I don't know about you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and the Waratahs have got good rhythm there, and you know, you, you've got um, Gord, uh, Jake Gordon that, that plays here as well at nine and. He's playing really well. So, you know, you need to make sure that you maintain that balance and um, disrupting that link with the way that he's playing is, is not, I don't think, a very good decision. But, you know, sometimes it's about the player uh, and, you know, the opportunities that he gets as well. Um, you know, I certainly do feel exactly the same way as what um, Tim was saying there with the, the, the lack of depth in certain positions in Australia at the moment, you know, I would have thought that halfback is is probably quite strong when you've got Gordon, you've got uh, Tate McDermott and obviously Nick White, um, you know, the, 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 they're quite good in there, but then you go outside and what they have to do, I think, so what they were telling me, Ricardo, is that you, um, they can only bring three players back now. Yeah. So, you know, it used to be after 50 tests, you could bring as many as you want, but it's only three. So you think, are they going to bring back Kirtley Beal? Are they going to bring back Quade Cooper and uh, Karevi? Uh, or um, Kurandrani? You know, like, where, 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 where does that help the growth when these guys aren't even playing in Australia? It doesn't develop any depth at 10. No, you're right, it doesn't. Yeah, it's interesting on the three that they bring back because I, I don't know that yeah. Beal would be one for me. I mean, I'd probably look in the forwards because I think they need a bit more muscle. Maybe a Will Skelton or someone like that maybe could come back. Yeah, yeah, they've got them and the other guy, uh, Rory Arnold, I think mm. it is. Um, you know, they've got op- options, but they don't. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, Dave Rennie's going to have to put a stake in the ground of who he can bring back and utilise. Yeah, yeah, it's a big call for Dave Rennie to make um, and be interesting to see which way he goes. It is quarter past two here on the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run at Bunnings Trade. We're here to make your job easier because helping business is our trade. We'll get stuck into talking uh, more blues and canes in the next little while. This is the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run at Bunnings Trade, helping businesses our trade. Ricardo Ball, Justin Marshall with you. Gordon Simpson is going to join us in around 10 minutes or so to talk some hurricanes. Before we get to that, let's talk a little bit of blues, Marshy. Um, of course, big win, 53-26. Um, they've scored over 120 points in two weeks, which is which is pretty damn impressive. Um, and and they're, they're tracking really well at the moment. Um, we've talked about to Stephen Pierafeta, but what about Finlay Christie? I don't know if you caught this, but a couple of weeks ago, uh, Steve Devine was on breakfast with us uh, and I, when I was covering Brecky with Izzy, and he said that, uh, well, I asked him if he if Finlay Christie had played himself into the all-black frame, and he said, well, he's done more than that. For me, he's the best halfback in the country at the moment on form. If I was packing an all-black team tomorrow, he'd be not my number nine. Where, where are you at where Finlay is? 
I, I certainly think he's the informed nine in the country. Uh, you know, equally so was Brad Weather. Weber, he was playing well before his injury. Uh, so good to see that um, he's back in the fold now um, because he was playing some really good rugby as well. Uh, and man, he's just super consistent, isn't he, Brad Weber? He he delivers uh, as as does Aaron Smith. Just week to week, you know what you're going to get out of um, Brad Weber. But I think in terms of the, the the balance and the threat that he is at the moment, Finley Christie, uh, he is arguably the best nine in the country on form. Uh, whether or not that gives him the the All Black number nine jersey is is definitely up for debate uh, because. You know, there's just such consistency there. Uh, the All Blacks build their rhythm around what Aaron Smith delivers. Um, but that, that doesn't mean that he can't pressure for an opportunity to start. But I would imagine that if you were picking the side at the moment um, or the squad, that he would definitely be in that match day uh, 2023. So, yeah, he's playing good rugby uh, and he has done um, particularly really stepped up his game against the Crusaders, I thought. Mm. Um, he was a real threat around the breakdown. Uh, he took steps. He brought players into the game. His defence is very good. He's a gritty little defender. Um, you know, his kicking game is as good as the rest in the country. Uh, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't certainly wouldn't um, disagree with Stevie Devine that at the moment he's the form uh, player in that jersey in the country. At the moment, he is above the level that everyone else is playing at. But I don't believe that he that that gives him the right to step into that All Black number nine jersey right now. Yeah, well, the, I mean, you mentioned um, three. Um, big names here, of course, and you know we talked Finlay Christie. We, you've mentioned Aaron Smith. You mentioned Brad Weber has come back as well. There's a name that uh, is missing. He's for a long time been sort of uh, battling it out with Aaron Smith for the nine jersey and TJ. Do you think TJ's done? No, I don't. No, TJ's too competitive to be done, and he he brings qualities to the, the jersey that others don't have in the country. And and you certainly can't count out a guy that has been uh, two World Cups and delivered and again is a player that has continually been selected uh, in all black teams, you know, probably over the lot, what the last decade I'd imagine and I'd be very reluctant to, to rule out TJ Peridanara from any, from any mix uh, and any equation that the all blacks come up with uh, so certainly he, he, you know, he, he'll be very well aware that there are other players in the country playing well, like Finley Christie, like Brad Weber, like Falau Fakataba, and they, they like to sort of say that Fakataba is a similar player to TJ. I don't entirely concur with that. He, he's he's his own identity as, as Falau Fakataba, and they've both got different strengths in different areas, him and, him and TJ. But there is that argument that they are more combative than the other ones that we've We've mentioned, and I do be, believe that that is the case. They are better post-contact than than, than the uh, than Weber, Christie, and Aaron Smith. So mm. Fakatava and Piranara, and when I say post-contact, you know it's all good. You take a couple of steps as a nine, bring defenders to you, and then put players in space. Those guys are good like that. Finley Christie's probably the best at it at the moment, but the other style, that combative one, post-contact, he takes a couple of steps, bring those defenders to him goes through the tackle with strength and then it's post-contact that he delivers the ball into space. That's where Fakataba and Piranara are unique. We don't have that in any other player in the country and there's a part of me that thinks we need that in the All Blacks somewhere. Yeah, a more physical presence in the nine, basically. Yeah, well, it's physical, but it's also a unique ability. You know, you can't, you can just be, you can be just strong and mm. and and win the, the physical contest. But you've got to have the ball skill, the recognition, the peripheral vision, and the space to 
to put others into space post that contact area, it's an offload. You know, it's 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 Sonny Bill Williams. You know, unique ability to go post contact and get players running off you post the post the tackle line. That's what Fakatava and Piranara can do that no other player in the country can. Yeah, and I uh, yeah, well, I mean, tell you what, Ian Foster's got a job on his hands selecting <laughs> mate, he what? selecting Good three luck. halfbacks out of those five that you've mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, mate, mate, he's got a, a real job on his hands. Well, we'll keep talking about this, and we'll talk more. We'll actually talk about TJ Piranara coming up next with Gordon Simpson as he's going to join us here on the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run as we talk about the Hurricanes. Yeah, this is the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run with Ricardo Ball and Justin Marshall at Bunnings Trade. We're here to make your job easier because helping business is our trade. Our text number is 8833, the Temper Bedpost text machine. Uh, a couple of texts here. What a comeback. Uh, Hurricanes win. Not good in the first half, though, but got it done in the end. That was from Michael, uh, and a, a former Hurricane joins us now to talk about that uh, that come from behind win. Down 15-0 at halftime, of course, at the Canes. They won it 20 against the Tars in Sydney. Gordon Simpson joins us. G'day, Gordy. How are you, mate? Yeah, well, Ricardo. Yourself? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Good. Um, and, uh, it was a pretty ugly first half, wasn't it? Just nothing seemed to stick for the Canes. No, I think I think the only thing they could probably take out of that first half that was positive for them was their, their defence. I think the, the Waratahs had uh, a lot of attacking chances and probably didn't capitalise on as much as they could have. So, um, if anything, uh, I think the Canes sort of got away with in that first half, sort of only being down, I think, 15-0. Um, Jordy obviously missed that, that late penalty goal. But um, listen, I don't think they would have been as discouraged um, after that first half game in the changing rooms, um, considering that, um, you know, the, the Waratahs had so much attack, especially in that first 25, 30 minutes. Uh, it was, uh, I mean, they, they lucky they had a few old heads to bring off the bench and Oe Franks and, and Dane Coles to get that uh, comeback on because uh, there's a lot of young kids in that uh, in that Hurricanes team, isn't there? There's uh, not a lot of experience there. No, there's not, and you can definitely tell the experience when those two that you, that you named them came on. Um, you know, it just it just seemed to sort of sturdy that sort of um, that that four pack up. They were sort of getting a little bit destroyed in that especially in the scrum set phase in that first half. So to bring on two guys um, with that amount of experience, I think sort of disabled that sort of Hurricanes team and it sort of builds confidence too, especially when you have the likes of those two coming off, off the bench um, with all their experience. Hey, Gordy Marshy here. Thanks for joining us, mate. Good good to hear your voice, buddy. Um, hey, I wanted to tap into you about that. Like, are, are you happy with the way that Chase Holland is consistently changing the dynamic of the team. So obviously Geordie was back to 12. Um, the front row was different again and it did wobble and the scrum got shunted. I've never seen a New Zealand scrum get dominated like that for 30 odd minutes of a game, um, which was quite surprising. But selection wise, do you think this is still the stage of the season where he needs to be tampering with players positional wise? No, not at all. Uh, I, I sort of, I think I made that comment um, the week before Um uh, just to myself, basically, when I'm sort of in my own little pit in my house, talking to myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, no, nah, listen, I, I certainly don't think so. I mean, um, obviously, um, you, you, yourself, you know, and myself too, that, you know, obviously the, the team gets together a lot. They talk about things, but it'll be interesting to see how much sort of team sort of, um, sort of, I guess, Verbal sort of confrontation have involved with um, with the coaches and the management because 
um, yeah, like you say, especially at this time of year and this type of, uh, you know, sort of halfway through now, um, they keep sort of especially switching sort of Geordie from fullback, second five, and back and forth. Um, and I guess I, mean, I know that Colsey's coming back from um, injury, um, yeah. a couple of others. But, um, yeah, listen, I, I I really think you should sort of set in the structure and build those combinations because they're so, they're so key and so um, so important um, especially sort of, I guess, coming into the sort of end of the stretch of the, the competition. So um, you look at the other teams, the you know the Blues and, and 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 especially the Crusaders. You know they sort of they try and set on those those um, combinations week in week out. Obviously, bar an injury in that. So yeah, listen, I, it's it's hard to know what's going on within the camp yourselves when you're sort of outside of that. But you know, from a sort of outside view, um, you know, you don't want that to continue much longer. You want to sort of sit on that. Uh, those those combinations and, and sort of work your way in like like the Hurricanes did. I, I'm not sure if they're going to stay there, but they're in the top four now, um, especially leading into. And if they can make that top four, leading into the sort of the business end of the competition. Mate, it'd be good to get your viewpoint on your area of expertise, the the, the Lucys. Now, it was Carifi last night, um, and and Artie's still still at eight. Um, you know, is is he uh, an eight first of all, and is he an All Black eight, and and have is that balance right in the back row? What would, like they don't seem to have ever really settled on a number eight at the Hurricanes for God, I don't know for how long. So Artie kind of had to play there, but now it seems like it's his position. Is there anybody like um, Yosei was looking pretty good start of the season? Haven't seen him again. Well, where are you at the with the Hurricanes in their back row mix? Yeah, listen, um, I, uh, listen I'm not going to be, I'll be a little bit critical here. I, I don't think Artie's ever been number eight. Um, mm. But I guess, it's, um, I guess it's just who they've got in the squad at the moment. I don't think they have an out and out number eight. Um, and it's certainly not a reliable one. Um, I certainly like Blake Gibson as, as, as a seven. Um, and I'm not sure if he's injured or he just didn't sort of start last night. I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, and Karifi, listen... <laughs> He's up and down, Karifi. I think he can have some outstanding games, um, but yeah. then he can sort of he can sort of go to, he can go missing at, at times. So I don't know his with his consistency whether he's the right man um, to sort of start at seven. Um, I, I know he's come off the bench a few times back in uh, games previously, and I think he's made more of an impact in that case when I guess the, the sort of the, the fatties and the tight fives um, started to slow down a bit. Um, so. Yeah, it's a difficult one. I, just, I think you sort of. I think I think you nailed it on the head. I, I don't think Artie's a out and out number eight, but I think with with the sources they've got at the moment available with their canes, no one's sort of putting them hand up. I think he's sort of put in that position. Um, and um, you know, this obviously might be a recruitment process for for next season. But um, they certainly need to sort of. I, I think I think Artie and Artie's Sevilla is an out and out seven. Um, I, I don't even believe he's a six either. You know, I mean, I, I know he can play all three positions, and that's great to have, I guess. But um, for me, uh, I think he's he's an outstanding number, outstanding number seven. And you know, he probably puts a lot of pressure on Sam Kane, obviously, when it comes to All Black selection. Um, but he, I guess he has that versatility that, if, if especially in the All Blacks, they can use him because. You, you certainly want him on the field, but you know you, you want him to sort of be on the field at, at using every kind of ability that he's got to the best of his ability. I think that's at seven. Um, so yeah, I think uh, with the Hurricanes, I think yeah, I think it is. at the moment they've got no one sort of pinning their hand up to sort of play that position. So he's sort of 
as a captain and you know as the leader of the team, um, you know he's always going to put his hand up for that, and and um, it might not be ideal, but it's for the I guess it's for the best of the team at the moment. Where are you on on the blind side? Like, where are you on that in terms of the global game and world rugby? Like you see these teams like France and Ireland and that, mate. They're picking massive back rows, and you know traditionally that that blind side, you know, has been a, a, a big hard tall ball running, you know, look at the Crusaders back row that they've been they selected on Friday night, you know, where do we need to go in, in, in that regard, you know, like, you, then you get the one-two punch, like the, the Harmon Lynchus, which worked well with a strong running number eight for the Highlanders the other night, but do you think we need to have that traditional sort of cowboy shore style number uh, number six? Um, yes, it's a tough one, because I think and Excuse my memory here, but if we go back to I think it was was it the All Blacks semi final? So do we have uh, Scott Barrett playing blindside? Was it, am I correct in saying that? Was that yeah? Uh, yep. And Sam Payne was on the bench. Uh, I think was or was he? I think he was on the bench, wasn't he? Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I certainly would have had it the other way around. You know, um, to me that was a real massive selection error. Um, so listen, I'm, I'm probably a little bit old school. Um, I know that the, the set phase is crucial this day and age, and with your with your scrum, particularly your line out, so it gives you that. I guess with the big, big number six, it gives you that extra line out option. Um, but for me, at number six, yeah, I mean you still have you still have a number six who's you know six two, six three, six four. But um, I guess uh, for me, it's someone who's a hard running and just a just a tough nut um, who just is like you say. I guess that, that the old school cowboy like guy, um, but I guess it's just got to work with the whole three. You've got to get that right mix, and if you if you've got a if you've got a sort of a um, a big or a, sort of a taller number eight who can line out jump, is also a strong runner, good with ball hand, um, can sort of um, be that sort of link sort of number eight. Then you can then you can sort of have that number six who's just an out and out grafter who just works hard defensively is you know sound and just does that does that sort of I guess that um, dark place kind of stuff up up the guts and in the middle and that so that, that's probably where I see it but it's a, it's, a, it's such a difficult one Marsh I think it's um, yeah. we can we can debate this till the cows come home and it's like end of the day for me too you know you, you want the best team on the field that's that's actually playing that best who's playing best at that, that time so that individual. So if that is a tall guy who's who's um, who is the best player in that position at that particular time, then select him. Um, I think we've been guilty in the past going on people who maybe with the names um, and not the actual best player who's playing in you know in the Super Rugby competition at that particular time. Um, so it, it, like you say, it's, it's a difficult one, but I'm a little bit old school, so I'd probably always go with the, the tough, gutsy, sort of hardcore sort of number six. He's just going to do that hard yard for you. Gordy, the, um, there's a guy who was, who was running around in light blue against the Canes yesterday who's uh, originally out of the Crusaders, um, uh, Charlie Gamble. Uh, but he's he, yep. he's made a good fist of it over there. He's been one of the standout players, I think, in that Waratahs team this year. Uh, it, I mean, if you're a, uh, if you're looking to bolster that Hurricanes um, sort of back <laughs> row, is he somebody you might target to bring back for next season? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, you, you sort of, you'd sort of um, you'd certainly look at him. Um, I don't know what the... I don't know what the, how the contracts work these days and what, what he's sort of signed up for over there, whether it's just year on year or it's, it's a bit longer. But, I mean, these got, they've, they've, got, they've got scouts, they've got people in the right places, all these franchises, and, and I guess um, they're always looking at all options. So 
um, or, or possibility. So, but you know, I think, I think what we've discussed previously, I think the Hurricanes um, haven't had, a, I guess, an out and out number eight for a long time, and that's probably something key that they really need to look at. Um, uh, because, yeah, I mean, it's all good. Now, a good sort of how. I guess the other thing is, sorry, you need to look at some some front row for you know some front row forwards uh, those props mm-hmm. too, because um, that scrum was it was demoralising watching it last night. Um, yeah, and that's why you got to get that selection correct because, like Marshy said, oh, I can't remember he's doing the scrum game back that that first uh, recently. So it's it's uh, it's that's uh, that's especially with a set phase. Um, New Zealand's sort of always been sort of quite quite renowned for sort of holding our own at our at set phase. Um, but that was um that was it was pretty scary last night. <laughs> Jeez, was it what? Yeah, like I, I couldn't believe my yeah. eyes and what I was seeing, to be perfectly honest. And and it yeah. wasn't uh, just, you know, not getting great platform. It was actually getting pushed off the ball. So a bit of a concern for Jace Holland, mate. It, yeah. From what you've seen and albeit the discussions we've had and get the selections right and get a balanced side leading into the quarters, which they're going to be in. Have you seen enough that they are capable of getting to a final and tipping up the likes of the Blues or the Crusaders or the Brumbies should it, should should they get to the big stage? Yeah, well, listen, I think I think you know, Marshall. I guess on any given day, the Hurricanes can beat anyone. Um, yeah. They uh, they the sort of that kind of team. Um, but I think what they'll need to do, like you say, is they they'll need to get that that um, selection correct. They'll need to, to get the balance right. Um, but um, yeah, listen. There's there's a few things they need to work on. Um, but I, listen, I've, I've seen some like I guess even with the Blues, they, they were outstanding the other night. But you know, you look at the Reds, um, and they had three or four chances to uh, when they attacked to, to to take those chances, and they took them every time. So that must be a concern for the Blues that the, when the when the Reds did get the chance to. Um, have an attack against them. They they sort of scored every time. So um, every team will be looking at the video analysis or you know and everything like that. So I think I think certainly the Hurricanes are good enough to sort of to get to that semi final stage. Whether they're good enough on that on the day with with who they've got in their sort of their, their um and their team now to 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 make that jump to the to the final. Uh, I guess that's just a, a question and waiting. But um, I certainly I certainly certainly think if they get the right team on the field and, and sort of Barring any injuries, um, maybe um, getting a couple of those guys that came off the bench uh, back to full fitness and, 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 and um, ready to sort of kickstart this season sort of later in the season uh, when the, when it comes to the business end of the condition. Um, certainly, I mean, I'm, ne- I'm, I'm never going to I'm never going to sort of say the Hurricanes can't do it because I think we've all been proven in the past that um, oh. you sort of when, as soon as you as soon as you sort of say they're not good enough, they'll they'll, they'll surprise you. You know, um, you, you stole like my thunder the the big ball. time. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was thinking, if I'm, if I'm the Crusaders or the Blues or whoever it might be, the Chiefs, yeah. I'm thinking, shit, I, I do not want to play the Hurricanes in the seven uh, semi final. No chance. I prefer anyone exactly. else. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You, just, you never know with them. You know, they just, I don't know. I guess you can also look at it. I guess, I mean, I guess, the, I think the French team are quite consistent now, but you know, you go back years and years ago and you probably have experienced yourself personally, um, certain mm. semi, semi finals and that, um, that yeah. they, you know, they could beat any team on their day too. So <laughs> I guess, you know, I guess the Hurricanes are, are sort of similar in that sense. Good stuff, Gordy. Thanks very much for giving us some time today, bud. Go well and uh, we'll catch no. up with you again soon, eh? Yeah, no problem. Thanks, guys. Take care. Cheers. Uh, Gordon Simpson there with us on uh, um, the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. At Bunnings Trade, helping business is our trade. We'll be back talking some Crusaders after this. 
This is the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Ricardo Ball and Justin Marshall with you at Bunnings Trade. We're here to make your job easier because helping business is our trade. And Marshall, we did have a text through earlier actually from Ken uh, on double eight double three, the Temper Bedpost text machine. Guys, what about a real bolter for the All Blacks in Bryce Heem? He can play anywhere outside of 10 in the back line uh, and he's big. Um, or is age going to count against him? There's a few uh, Bryce Heems floating around, to be mm. fair. Like, the way that he's playing, he's in such good form. He offers versatility. You know, Nankerville is the same. Um, you know, there's players like that across the board that fulfil all of those dynamics, you know. Um, like, for me, the front runner at the moment has to be Lester Fying Anuku. Um, you know, the, the, his... His strike weight, his ability is, um, I think, the best out of all of those players that, that fulfil those requirements. But, yeah, I totally agree. You know, the, the fact that he had got thrown into the fire the other night and, and came out the way that he did um, at centre, scoring two tries, defended well, uh, certainly shows that he's got the ability to that. So it just goes to highlight, you know, the depth we have in certain areas of our game um, in, in, this, in this country at the moment that... You know, like Bryce Heem would be starting regularly for probably any um, Australian team or probably anywhere else in the world at the moment, the form he's in. But unfortunately, he's got a, a guy by the name of Rico Iwani keeping him out of the Blues. Um, or Roger Tuivasa-Shek or Caleb Clark or Mark Talia or AJ Lamb. Look, how, what did AJ Lamb do wrong? Holy yeah. moly. He couldn't stop scoring tries, but now he's finding himself on the bench. Yeah, no, there's so much depth there, all right, mate. We should talk, haven't talked to a lot of Crusaders today, but they, I mean, they had a big win over the Brumbies in Canberra, 37-26, and a couple of uh, really cool milestones as well. Richie Mwanga brought up 1,000 points in Super Rugby during that game, and Sevu Reese, what a machine, 40 tries, the fastest to 40 tries in Super Rugby history, just 50 games. Yeah, outstanding, and and the, the I, I think he's very close uh, to being in the conversation, um, and, and great to you know hear people debate it of the, the best finishing winger in the country, ah, in the world, I should say. Yeah, I probably you know quite clearly his ability to find his way to the try line um, is probably unrivaled on the wing. No, there's no doubt that there's a guy that's better than that in the world at the moment. Um, I think that uh, that's very evident, which is Will Jordan. Like the knack of this guy to find his way to the try line is just simply incredible, but. Sevi Reese's try scoring ability is just when when he gets an opportunity with a one on one, um, you know, and space to burn, he, he inevitably gets the job done. There's not many that cut him down, and that's that's the pedigree that that he operates at. Um, and you know, Moonga easily had I think his best game of the season. Uh, controlled the game really well. Was a threat with ball in hand. You know, a couple of a miraculous offload I can recall. Um, he was very, very good. And I think just, you know, in my mind, finally, and I, I know there's been injury, um, injuries and also sort of trying to keep that squad happy for Razor to contend with. But finally he picked that, that particularly that forward pack I wanted to see him pick. Yeah. Big, massive back row. Matera, mate. Somebody's um, spiked his drinks about a month ago <laughs> and it's worked. Um, and He's just come out like a man possessed. Uh, and his combo with Ethan Black at a tough, Cullen Grace off the back of the scrum, who's really rolled up his sleeves. You know, that's a massive, big, strong back row. And then the white lock Barrett combo. Um, and, and then the front rowers, mate, you know, Bauer and Newell, you know, like combined with Cody Taylor. I wouldn't like to be taken on that forward pack anywhere. And then you bring Christie on. Yep. 
and with his work rate and energy and tackling ability, um, you know, finally he, he's got that selection right. And, and, you know, like I said, a lot of it's probably been um, macro managing the squad injury and force, but boy, that looked formidable. And then you got, you get that forward pack supplying ball to that back line. Yeah, they looked good. They look good. Yeah, they look really good, mate. And I mean, you said it was Richie Mwanga's, um best performance of the season. I, I guess you know because tens are so influential and so important. Um, mm. I, I was going to say, was it also the Crusaders' best performance of the year? Yeah, without a doubt. You know, they were up for this game. You know, they had to suffer obviously getting behind on the scoreboard early. The Brumbies just, uh, you know, they, they they are very efficient with ball in hand, but I think. There wasn't a great performance from the Brumbies, and Brumbies like, as I mentioned earlier in the show, but also the fact that the Crusaders just continually were putting them under pressure in all areas. Chase um, was very good uh, defensively. They were getting up, smacking them over, forcing them into errors. I think part of it was just how good and tough the Crusaders were on the night. Easily their best performance. I wouldn't like to see him tinker too much with that team from now on in if he's able to not do that you know, through injuries. Um, I'm still not sure Jack Goodhue's where he needs to be. So maybe Enor is partnering Harvili. And the only other one is whether it's Bridge or Fying Anuku. But the rest of it, uh, I think y- you would probably keep the same. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. And you mentioned about uh, Bridge and Fying Anuku because I think Bridge is not only fighting for his Crusaders place at the moment, he's probably fighting for his All Black place a bit as well, isn't he, with, with everybody else that we're seeing going around? Well, yeah, and he's another one of those players, Ricardo. You know, he's that's in the mix with the Nankervilles, Hames. You know, like he has the ability to to play centre wing fullback. Um, you know, and and he's he's a very very good player. Uh, unfortunately, he's in a very very good back three or back four that the All Black uh, that the Crusaders have. So, yeah, good headache to have, big time. Great headache to have. This has been the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run at Bunnings Trade, helping businesses our trade. Marshy, thank you again. Another great show. Thank you, Ricardo. Uh, And thanks to everybody for joining us for the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Uh, Have a good week. Yeah, and looking forward to kickoff at uh, 4 o'clock between the Rebels and the Chiefs. Looking forward to that one. I'm on the Chiefs overs, Marshy, so uh, here's hoping, mate. Fingers crossed. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's, together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.